Welcome to the Uplift Effect podcast. My name is Jill Falling and I am so excited you are here today. Of course, it's Monday. You know it's my favorite day and I always release podcasts on Monday. One of the reasons why I am thrilled to have you here is because I'm doing something that I have not ever done before, and I think you're going to find it to be a really, really neat episode. And of course, it is super special to me. I have here my second son, who is one that I often refer to, sometimes in third person, (laughs) just to protect him. But his name is Romero. He is my 18-year-old son, just turned 18. He is a senior in high school. He has got a funny personality. He has been my child that if you have listened to some of these uh, past episodes, I have referred to as... um, Uh, one of my kids having a lot of troubles as he came into this world and had a rough start. But as he grew, we began to realize that he really had a talent for all things that were involved with sports and um, had a natural gift in, in that area. So I I'm here out of state. We uh, Romero is here with me. We are up in Indiana. We are visiting a college for the potential of looking at him being able to play baseball uh, at the next level. So I am excited to bring you Romero today, and I am just going to interview him. We have briefly discussed some ideas of things we might would talk about, but um, this is going to be completely off the cuff and just a way to kind of allow you as parents to hear from him and what it is like to, to be a kid who is the athlete, to hear some stories from him as, about what has been encouraging, what has not been encouraging, and how sports has influenced how, how he sees himself today. And at the ripe age of 18, it still has lessons that he already sees in the difference it has made in who he is. And so I am excited to bring to you my second son, Romero. And so Romero, welcome. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Okay, I told him he had to sit close, so we're sitting maybe closer than we're used to sitting <laughs> to each other. Um, so, welcome to the Uplift Effect podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Are you excited to be here in Indiana and, and look at the idea of playing sports at the next level? Yes, it's a little different because there's no mountains, but everything else is great. (laughs) Yes, and no humidity. No frizz. No frizz in our curly hair. That is right. Our hair is like corkscrew curls right now. So much, much better. Well, okay. So we, let's like rewind back and let's think about when you were um, early on playing sports. You have played... um, for the most part, basketball, baseball, and football. Yes. That's all you've played, yeah. That's okay. all I've played. And um, that was plenty. That was, <laughs> was year-round greatness. <laughs> year-round greatness. And so what can you remember from some of the experiences, particularly coaching, um, as you were a young kid and having coaches who were teaching you different sports? What sticks out to you? I think the relationship between the coaches and the players are very good because if I have respect for you and I like who you are and how you run throughout practice, then I do not want to like disappoint you in how I practice and I always want to impress you, so I'm going to try my hardest throughout practice to 
get better every every day so yeah every every day every every day every every day so in other words what you're saying is the relationship that you developed early on with your coaches really made a big difference because you wanted to work really hard because you did not want to disappoint them right yeah Okay, so that's important because the relationship with coaches has been something that we have talked a lot about since you were very tiny, huh? Yes, a lot of of conversations. Lots of conversations about that, that's right. So what would you say, um, even now, have been some of the things that coaches have uh, done um, and said to you over the years that have been really important things in your life? That you, even at 18, though you're very young in most of our eyes, what has stuck out with you so far? I think the the confidence that the coaches have in especially me was very encouraging because I know that I could just act like myself and I don't have to do everything by the rules and by the books. So being a little scrappy is good because I don't have to do everything exactly how I was coached. And as long as I get the job done, then we get the job done. So Yeah. yeah. Now they may have a a word to say to you about why you changed that at the last minute. Yeah, they might ask a few <laughs> questions, but as long as I get it done, I don't think they're worrying too much. <laughs> yes. I can remember many of those times where they're like, why did you do that? And you're like, well, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had to run for my life, We coach. scored a touchdown, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We scored. Why are we complaining? <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't the, the play they called. One of the funniest things I can remember... Um, since we're walking down memory lane, is one of your coaches in uh, rec ball, peewee ball, as we would say. You were very, very young, and you called timeout. I don't know if you remember this in football. On offense, you called timeout, and the coach was like, what are you doing? And you're like, there is no way we can line up like, like this. We can't run this play. The defense is lined up. This play won't work. And they're like, Romero, it's seven years old. We don't worry about what the defense is lined up. We're just going to run the play. <laughs> they weren't worried about winning. I was trying to win. They worried about mm-mm. And you had studied all the defense, and oh, you yeah. knew this play wasn't going to work the way they had lined up. When yeah. really at seven years old, those kids probably didn't know. They didn't know what was left from right, <laughs> let alone who I was supposed to be guarding. But you called timeout. Oh, you yeah. called them a timeout because you weren't, y'all weren't going to be able to run that play. <laughs> We weren't going to be scoring. (laughs) Well, okay. So tell me some coaches. You don't have to necessarily call them by name, but maybe what age group or what sport you're playing um, that really uh, encouraged you and influenced you and you're thankful for. I think my current baseball coach was uh, very encouraging and still encouraging to me because he sees the talent that I have, and me and him have a special relationship in and out of school, mm-hmm. helping me with this recruiting and just inside of practices, bringing me to the side and giving me some tips on what I should do to get better and not trying to scream at me in front of the whole team because I don't do the greatest, and he understands that. So me and him have a special relationship, and that definitely helps. Yeah. So tell me one of the things that... Um, we've talked about before that he has specifically taught you that has spilled over into other sports you've played that has been very important and I'm actually totally thankful for. So one of the things that he says is I learned this quickly when I got to his time to his team was 
being on time was late and being 30 minutes early was pushing it. So even for every other sport that I play, for football, whatever sport I play, I'm always early. And especially for football now, I'm one of the first kids there. Maybe 30 to even 45 minutes before anybody else. 30 was pushing it. 30 was almost late. (laughs) Right. But why did he do that? Uh, It shows us that uh, even as you grow up, being on time is always late. And even as you get a job, if you're always showing up to 12 at, or to your job at 12, then that is a little pushy. If you're going to show up at 1130, then your boss knows that they can count on you for being on time and doing your jobs. So. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other things too is, is that you're not ready for practice. Yeah. You need time to get prepared and ready right. and organized. And one of the other things I can remember you guys saying about this is that, um, it shows that you're, you're serious. Yeah. It shows our focus level on how much baseball or any sport that you play really cares to you. If you show up as soon as practice starts, then you're not going to be prepared enough and you're not going to be ready for practice. When warm-ups start, when practice starts, you're just going to be rolling in and you're not ready. That just shows you how much and how important that sport is to you. Mm-hmm. And keeping yourself organized in order to do that is a Super important. That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, I think that is important about his lesson is, is that sports and the success of sports is about discipline and being disciplined to show up on time and get your obligations and your commitments taken care of so that you can be there early is the first part of a good practice. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who else can you think of that have taught you some things that were important I think my old high school football coach was pretty good because we also as a team not really individually but as a team we had a really good bond where we could joke and kid throughout the entire practice we didn't have to worry about okay is he taking this personally is he think we're going to be being serious we could joke throughout practice and have a good practice without worrying if he's going to take it personal. Mm. So we would always do really go really hard in practice, but on the side we would joke, and that made for a great two years of football, or three years three, of football, yeah. which we had fun practices, we had fun time. He would always love dancing after we would win a football game, mm-hmm. and we all just loved it. We ate up that like it Couldn't was... Couldn't wait to win. Oh, yeah, we loved it. So. Yeah. In other words, he made it really, really fun for you guys, right. though he pushed you hard. Yeah. I mean, you guys he, made it far into the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He definitely made it hard, but he made it fun at the same time. So it doesn't seem like it was as hard because we always would have a fun time after practice. So Yeah. Yeah. So what about some of the coaches that you had when you were younger? Because you had um, some pretty influential coaches who really believed in you early on. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what age I was, but there was a point in time where I didn't want to play baseball at all. And there were some coaches, some dads, that I played with their kids for a long time, and they were creating their own travel ball team. So they asked if I would like to play because they, I knew them, and so they had a lot of confidence in me and saw that I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself at that particular time. And having people that you could rely on 
that have confidence in you just makes you have that much more confidence knowing that people see your talent even though you might not see it yourself. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that actually because uh, that was a very critical uh, point in time and um, it wasn't fun as a parent either uh, to watch your kid who has always loved all of these sports and to have a particularly difficult few years under the direction of a specific coach who was um, pretty detrimental. Um, so without uh, trying to call anybody out and throw anybody under the bus, the long story short is you had a coach that um, was... Very um, targeting in his emotions. Very targeting. Um, he knew you were very talented. Yeah. We, I do know that. He knew you were very, very talented. But he um, would hurl insults at you. Yeah. In the middle of games. Oh, yeah. Um, and practices, of course. He was very, very tough on you. So there came a point in time where you started to shut down. Right, right, right. And this was during coach pitch. I mean, a kid pitch. Kid pitch. Kid pitch. First year of kid pitch, yeah. Yeah, you were pitching. Yeah. And so there was a defining day where, um, in the middle of a game, uh, where he was just really, really out of control. Mm. And uh, he and I had to have some conversations afterwards. And so we made, uh, I say we, I really meant me, but <laughs> I made the uh, terrible decision to have to take you and your brother off the team in the middle of the season. And that was not I mean, an easy thing. And do you remember one of the things that you told me once we got um, made that decision and you were no longer going to practice anymore? Yeah, I pretty much said that I didn't want to play anymore and that I was done with baseball. So, yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> that's and that's, that's pretty gut-wrenching yeah. for a parent to see a coach who has... Uh, who ruin has the to experience. ruin the... That's right. To ruin the experience knowing as a parent how much you loved this sport. Yeah. Um, it goes to show that coaches have a tremendous amount of influence, doesn't it? Yeah. That's one of the things I talk a lot, you don't know this, but that's one of the things I talk a lot about on this podcast is the role of influence that parents have as well as coaches and the difference they can make in a, posit <clears throat> in a positive and in a negative way. Yeah. So long story short, you, I gave you a little bit of a break. You didn't play ball for a little while, didn't play baseball, and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get you back on a baseball field, but I knew you loved it. Yeah. So we had these uh, two other parents that were putting together a travel team, and they called me and asked me if you would, if I, if they thought that, <laughs> if I thought that I could convince you to come back and play for them. So I came to you, and talked to you about it. And what do you think playing for them then did for you? I think it gave me a lot of confidence that I didn't have and was struggling for sure at the time, and then it just shows that. You might have something that like is a barrier for you, but you always have people in the big scheme of things that really do have confidence in you and know that you have that skill that will definitely give you more confidence yeah. and will let you play at a greater level. Yeah. So really, ultimately what they did is they brought back the fun and right. your love for yeah. baseball because they knew the athlete that you were. Right. And despite the circumstance that had happened, that they had, they saw, they were part of that a little bit indirectly. They saw what had happened and they still believed in you and they still wanted you to come play for them. Right. And that, that has changed everything because here we are in Indiana now. Looking um, for baseball. Looking to play baseball at the next level. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, I don't know about you, but I've gone to both of those coaches and I have told them thank you because had they had not done what they did, things would look different because you're really ultimately going to, I mean, you're going to struggle if you think football is going to be where you play at the next level because you're just not quite big enough. Right, right, right. I might need to be taking some growth hormones. Yeah, yeah, you're going to need another DNA. Oh, yeah, I might need to remix some strands. That's right. (laughs) We need some height. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about um, the role that parents play in sports because that's something I talk a lot here on this podcast about. Um, what are some things that you think that parents um, have done that you've seen and can do that really make a difference um, as their kids are growing up in sports? I think one of the things is, especially for any sport that a kid's playing or just any activity that they're doing, if if you could tell that the kid is very invested in this activity and even though you might not think it is very interesting to you, it's very interesting to that kid or child or whoever. And if you show your utmost attention to it and you're very interested in what they're doing, that they're going to want to do their very best and do whatever they can do to get a compliment out of you because they look up to you, especially as a parent, because they're with you all the time. Mm-hmm. They're with you 24-7. So if, mm-hmm. if they can get a compliment out of you, that's just going to... Um, want them to strive to get better more and more. So. Mm-hmm. so basically what you're saying is is that parents who are paying attention to what their kids are doing rather than, well, it's something we call being present, present versus absent, present. You can yeah. be sitting there but not paying attention and therefore you had made a comment to me about the importance of being able to talk about plays after the game. Yeah. It it definitely means a lot when you could actually like when when you're talking about a play and the parent can cut you off and tell you what happens in that play, then you know right then and there that they're actually paying attention, so you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know your parent is is always actively focused. engaged. Yeah, right. and focused. So, um, what are some things that you have seen that you think make it difficult for kids to play sports because of some things that their parents may do? Well, I definitely think uh, being a coach's kid is one of the rough things because, especially dad-wise, because if your dad is being very harsh on you, then you're not going to take that as your coach getting on you. You're going to take that as your dad Mm -hmm. is upset at you, and you're going to break down, and you're going to just shut down because your family member is getting on you and not some coach Mm -hmm. that maybe has been your coach for three years. Your dad that has been with you since day one is getting on to you, and that's going to shut mm-hmm. you down. So mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about parents in the stands and, and yeah. how hard that is for kids to do with their coaches. Right. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, let's just say that mom screams at me because I threw a wrong ball or I, I threw a bad pass or something, then... Um, I'm not going to, if she's screaming at me, I'm not going to take that as she's screaming at me and trying to get me better. I'm going to take that as she's screaming at me and she's upset with me. But if a coach would tell me that, then I'm like, okay, I need to change this, this, and this. But I'm going to take it different as, like, as mom screaming at me than a coach screaming at me because I know 
if a coach is screaming at me, then they just expect better than me. If my mom's screaming at me, then she's probably disappointed in what I'm doing. So, mm. so that's a that's an important distinction. I don't think I've heard you describe it quite like that. Um, your coach is disappointed in maybe the play that you're making. He's disappointed in, in the fact that you maybe didn't follow instructions. He's disappointed in a decision that you made. Whereas when your parent is hollering at you, um, that feels more personal. Right. Um, they're disappointed in you, not just as a player. Right. Yeah. So um, remember we talked about the, the idea that having um, what a tough position it is for kids when their parents are trying to coach sideline coach yes. <laughs> versus your coach. And you're trying to do what your coach is telling you, but you're also trying to do yeah. keep your parent happy because they're hollering. Yeah. Um, what's not that you've had that happen because I usually try not to, um, sideline coach, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you've seen kids that have had this happen. Yeah. It's hard. It's, I've definitely seen some kids that their dad is heavily involved in what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for them to try to please both because if your dad is wanting you to do it another way and your coach is coaching you to do it one way, then you feel like you have to impress your dad and just kind of blow off what your coach is saying. But what you really need to do is understand that your dad just wants you to do it right and doesn't mm-hmm. might understand the whole backstory of what your coach is trying mm-hmm. to really teach you is the fundamentals and mm. yeah so the parents don't always realize understand what the coach is trying to explain mm-hmm. to your kid yeah yeah absolutely so um you have seen um of course you're not the firstborn <laughs> right, right, right. and so um sports has been a part of all of your you guys's life all four of you guys but also as mine as well You've also seen me coaching um, your older brother, um, and you have you guys were little, and you came to practice all the time. You saw me trying to navigate. Uh, by the way, being coach and parent—that's not easy. That is a hard uh, thing to do. But I coached you guys a little bit too in some summer track um, events, and those were fun memories that we had. One of the things that we talked about is that obviously you've also seen me personally be an athlete and. Um, running and training for uh, long distance races up in the mountains, the long number of miles um, that were required in that, as well as bodybuilding and competing, um, which requires a lot of time in the gym, very disciplined eating, and then competing. You have been pretty much to every event that I've uh, done. What has that been like to be a kid to see your parent as an athlete? I feel like it definitely inspires you, especially when your mom at one point in time was like all swollen muscly because... (laughs) One point in time. Yeah. Because I know I've lost a lot of that. You've lost a lot of it. (laughs) But when when you can walk around and you can tell, like you wake up and your mom is already back home eating her protein shake, waking up at four in the morning, already worked out. When you wake up doing Mm -hmm. that much more effort than you... It really shows you how much effort people really give into getting an outcome that they want, especially for whatever they enjoy doing. So recently I've been going to the gym and I'm trying to get swole. So <laughs> I, I understand now better than I did that you really have to have a lot of dedication 
and have to put all this outside noise in the trash because you really have mm. to focus down on what is your primary goals and what you want to do now. Mm. And you could deal with those trash stuff later. So. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that I see you doing now is you're taking it more seriously for sure, but you are making sacrifices. Yeah. You are coming home early because we now get up at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> and right. go to the gym together. And you can't do that and stay up till midnight. Yeah, I got to tell my friends mm-hmm. that, not to hurt their feelings, but the gym is more important than they are. <laughs> <laughs> At least they, for right now. Right. So, and they, and they, I have pretty good friends, so they understand. But you have to set a bar. You have to figure out what are your primary goals and what are goals that you could do later. Like, I can always talk to my friends after the gym. Mm-hmm. But you have to get your gym time in no matter what time it is because if you don't go to the gym, then you're not going to get bigger and you have to eat correctly. Mm-hmm. You can't go to Zaxby's and eat every day. Yeah. So you have to be able to make sacrifices more than just friends than eating-wise because if I'm sitting home eating wheat thins all day, then I'm not going to be able to get the nutrients and things that my body needs mm-hmm. to make that actual muscle. So. Yeah, and getting enough rest, getting to right. bed early was a right. big... If I'm going to sleep and only getting four hours of sleep... I'm not going to have the optimal energy and focus that I need mm-hmm. to be able to really focus on using that correct muscle and yeah, breaking down some yeah. muscles. So one of the things that I that we had sort of talked about I think is important is that you have seen me compete running-wise in some terrible weather, hard times where I could barely walk. Um, but you've also seen me on stage um, in bodybuilding. And, you know... Um, I won both of those shows. It's easy to stand out on the stage and to, I say it's easy, it's not really that easy, but to, to, to flex, to do the things that you got to do to show your physique. Um, by the way, it's not easy. It's totally intimidating wearing that outfit in front of all those people in front of your kids too, by the way, it's not easy. But you guys know the sacrifice that went into that. So what does that tell you about game day? What does that tell you about Friday nights or whenever you show up for a game? Um, it definitely shows that you always, if you show up to Friday and you, like, all the practices from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and all the preparation, getting your correct sleep, eating right, so you're not just going to practice all tired and all this throughout the week and think you're going to have some magic energy that's just going to pop out of nowhere and allow you to play good you have to practice like that every day yeah actually um i think that that's such an important thing because what you see on stage keep in mind uh, my sport would be different than yours in this one case um and running of course my races would last for hours half a day it's different but Uh, You're on stage for not even probably 60 seconds, you know, maybe it's uh, 90 seconds, maybe it's a minute or two, but um, all of the hours and hours and hours of training that goes into two minutes on stage is significant. Yeah. And track. We talked a lot about this um, when I was coaching your brother in track. Um, Your event may only actually last like... Hopefully, it only lasts 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your goal is for it to last less than 20 seconds. 
but you have to put hours of training in. Yeah. Definitely for me, I take weightlifting pretty seriously now. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, seeing mom go and eat correctly and all this kind of stuff, do everything just for a common goal of trying to win a body competition shows all the sacrifices that it might just be a minute show of you just flexing on stage, but all the hours of like, and days and days and days and months of you training to get this common goal, it just shows Mm -hmm. the dedication that you need to have and the focus that you need for every day for you to have the tip top focus Mm -hmm. to be able to get your common goal. Yeah. You have to make a lot of sacrifices. Yeah. If you're going to perform well, yeah, you got to practice well. you got to practice well, right? Yeah. And we used to talk about that in track and cross country. You're going to race the way you practice. Right. And so um, I have loved talking to you today, and it's been so fun to uh, interview you. And I think one of the things is, is that it would be easy to walk away and think that, um, you know, like, we have something that is so abnormal. I think we have something that's super special, but the truth is, is there's a lot of parents that could be doing these very same things, right? There's a lot of parents that are athletes who are training for things. And, you know, the truth is, is that we, our children, you guys are watching what we do Mm -hmm. and you're watching how we live. And, Um, that's one of the things that I always am talking to parents about and encouraging them. Hey, it's not always what you say, Mm -hmm. but it's how you, the behavior modeling. Like when you, I heard you just say, you know, when I was getting up in the morning, mom was already at the gym at home now starting to eat. Like I, my day had started hours earlier Mm -hmm. because of the dedication. Like you noticed that dedication. I wasn't telling you I was doing any of it. Like it would be hard for me to know that I have to work really hard if mom would go out drinking every night because, you know, that's what I'm going to be raised in. If I'm raised in a house that there's a lot of distractions, then there's not going to be a lot of accomplishments with something that she wants. So showing that she's making good decisions shows me and just Kenza in general that you need to make good decisions if you want a common out goal to be a good mm-hmm. If you want to compete outcome. well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's a, a great point. Um, you recognize that as parents, any parent, not just me, but as parents, how we are living our life is teaching our children how to live their life. Right. And that does affect who they become. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, anything else that you want to say? Um, that comes to your mind that you think is important? Because, you know, this is a podcast for parents who have kids that are athletes. Um, Anything else? I think one of the things, if you grow up in an environment of people, let's just say drinking and using different types of things that are going to have their mind in a different place where they don't need to be in a bad situation, Mm -hmm. then that if they grew up with that, let's just say through 15 that their parents drink almost every night they're out they don't come home till two in the morning you know Mm -hmm. and um then that shows you that's all you know right so that's Mm -hmm. all you think that's acceptable and if you think that that's acceptable and your parents think it's acceptable then you're Mm -hmm. gonna be like okay well then i should do this because that's who i look up to i look up to my parents and if my parents are doing that thing Mm -hmm. doing those bad ideas then it just shows me that i 
I should be doing that because that's what my parents do. So, mm. so what you're talking about is, is the measuring stick. We've talked about this before. That becomes your default, what right. you know is normal. Yeah. It's your measuring stick for what are good decisions. Right. You have to... One of the things is you definitely have to show your kid what's right, right and what's wrong. Because if, if your kid doesn't know what's right and wrong, then they're just making guesses. Then they don't mm -hmm. really know deep down. They don't understand what's right and wrong. So they're just making guesses. They're just mm -hmm. throwing it up in the air and picking one. Or doing what their friends are doing. Right. They're just mm -hmm. going to get peer pressured into doing things that they don't know anything about. And that could lead them in a long, disastrous mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. They could have some terrible... Experiences, Outcomes, yeah. So. yeah. So, um, I know that it's not always cool to come from a, a home where there is quite a bit of discipline because now we don't have a whole lot of, I mean, I don't have to discipline you guys a lot. Um, but when you were younger, <laughs> we were rebels. When you were younger, um, I was on y'all like hot on rice, as we would say in the South. And I didn't put up with, uh, yeah, that's the phrase called hot on rice. I thought it was white on rice. White on rice? Yeah. Oh, maybe it is. I definitely think it's white on rice. <laughs> hot on rice? <laughs> what? So you definitely can... white on rice. Okay. Now we see why I have you. Them comment sections going to go crazy. <laughs> Those comment sections. Oh lordy. So um, okay, like white on rice. I was on y'all. Right. Um, and discipline was super important because I knew uh, that that was going to pay off down the road. And teaching you guys and modeling good behavior or good decisions, not good behavior, good decisions was going to be really important. Not always the coolest thing, right? Because. Right. Uh, you don't always fit in, in in all environments because you have a really strong feeling about it. But yet, on the other hand, it has made a difference in who you are as an 18-year-old, and it absolutely plays itself out in how you do sports. Yes, I think especially socially-wise, if your parents show you right and wrong and are very strong about that, then you're going to be least likely to just buy into whatever your friends are doing. Mm. So if somebody is suggesting that I do something with them and I know that my I've been taught that that is wrong then I I can stand up and say like hey I'm not doing that or I could just leave and not be a part of that mm -hmm. yeah. so because you never know what could go on police yeah. can be called you all can get in trouble and you never well one that. one bad decision leads, leads to another to another yeah yeah okay so. <laughs> we've had this conversation apparently not the <laughs> first time <laughs> finished my sentences yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um in closing let me ask you one thing you know we've spent a lot of time in our home uh, i mean i talk to you guys a lot about these things we I mean, I don't leave a whole lot for guessing, right? We we, we talk a lot. We know. We, we know. We, we, we talk a lot <laughs> with each other. Um, you know, sometimes one of the things parents say is it's hard to know how to talk to their kids. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it, I don't know why. It's just it, sometimes that can be difficult. It can be awkward to bring up um, conversations because they don't really know what they're going to say and, and it can feel awkward. The kid feels awkward, so the parent feels awkward, and everybody's yeah. awkward. And we've always been like pretty open. We've talked about pretty much most things, I think. Um, and we've talked about a lot of hard stuff. We've talked about the good stuff. We have 
an open door policy and a lot of parents struggle sometimes to know how to talk to their kids. Um, do you think that it's been helpful uh, for you to have the relationship with your mom that you can always come even if I'm in bed and that's always when it happens yeah. when, well, after I think, I'm in bed? <laughs> I think one thing is the conversation at first, you might be embarrassed to tell them or whoever it is, you might be embarrassed to tell them that maybe something's going wrong because you might think you might be disappointing them. But in reality, they have been a, a kid just like you. They've had all the feelings that you've had most of the time. Mm -hmm. So they understand what you're going through and they know how they got through it so they can give you advice to how they got through it. So mm -hmm. if, if I don't have a relationship with my parents like that or anybody, that I can go up there and talk to them, then I have no way to express my feelings, get ideas to maybe get out of the situation that I'm in. Mm. And so I'm just kind of stuck. So, mm. and that's not always to feel the greatest when you're no. stuck. So, mm -mm. No, because really parents, we're supposed to be advocates for our kids. Right. We're supposed to help you guys uh, grow you and train you. And, you know, one of the things that I've thought about since being up here in Indiana is that though this is a little bit humbling because I realized what's next to come. The reality is, is you're going to graduate high school and you may uh, stay home and go to a junior college, but you might not. And so that means that you're going to be moving on. Well, um, that's not easy for either one of us, right? But the other thing is, is if we have done our job, a good job as parents, our children will be ready for that. Like the whole point of parenting is to help get your kids out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> is to help them be ready to be out of the house. But then we get to that point and then we don't want them to be out of the house. Right, right, right. <laughs> we're like crying and all upset because we're like, oh my goodness, they're going to be moving. Well, really, if I did a good job, <laughs> they should be ready for this. This is Even what... though it might not sound like it. <laughs> no, no, no. And the truth... He's going to have to clean his bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm scared about that bathroom situation. <laughs> I'm a little worried about what your bathroom might look like. Right. Um, we might have to like call in merry maids once <laughs> a month or something just yeah. to kind of... <laughs> yeah. We don't need any mold in the bathroom. <laughs> no mold in the bathroom. So, um, yeah, that's not very sanitary. Um, well, I just thought that it would be interesting to have parents hear from a kid's perspective. I have parents ask me all the time um, about, you know, what did you do with your kids with this and this, that, and the other. And, um, you know, I haven't always done it right. I mean, that's the reality. We've talked here today about some things that I've done right, but there's things I haven't done that have been, um, I've had to learn. Now, as I have had more kids, I think probably I've got it a little bit more ironed out um, but with your older brother, I did things differently in, in some of these areas that um, we didn't really have a plan for college because I thought we still had time. <laughs> and, and so I did some things that maybe made it a little more challenging for him when he graduated because we weren't prepared for that. Um, and there, you know, we're, we're not perfect. No, no parent is, but... I thought it would be interesting to get a kid's perspective, an 18-year-old's perspective on growing up in a home that we've just done it one way. There's a lot of ways to parent kids, and there's a lot of good ways to parent kids. This is just one way we've done it, and um, I appreciate you spending the time because I think it's probably super cool at 18 to be on your mom's podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
very easy to just keep focus just on what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Right now, he's like, "Okay, how much longer is this gonna be?" Looking at all the books. <laughs> yeah, we're we're at my aunt's house, and uh, she has got an entire library, like ceiling to floor, with one of those ladders that rolls up and down, uh, the or side to side, um, up and down the bookcase. Anyway, so. It's a pretty cool place to be. This is pretty neat. But anyway, so Romero, thanks for uh, joining the podcast and sacrificing a little bit of a, a nap today that yeah. I know you need. Right. So you can get onto that nap now. And thank you for being such a great kid. I don't say that just because we're on the podcast. I tell you that all the time. You're a great kid. And I am so thankful to uh, be your mom. And though you were a pistol to raise when you were younger. Good gosh, you were so hard. Right. Uh, you were the one that was going to break me every day. But thank you for being such a wonderful teenager. I have enjoyed being your parent every step of the way, even when you were two. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> you were not easy. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Well, that was just totally fun for me to experience Romero in a way that I don't normally. Of course, I'm with him most every day, all the time, and to interview him, you never know what he is going to say, and apparently we don't always know what I'm going to say either. Turns out it is white on rice. <laughs> but I, I hope that there are some things from there that you took. One of the things that I want to bring attention to is that his words that a coach may be disappointed in a play that he missed, but if his parent is hollering at him, it feels like that his parent is disappointed in him. And I think that distinction is so important for us as parents to remember that our coaches don't have the relationships with them that we do. And when we are super critical maybe even just a little bit critical, that they feel it totally different than when their coach is critical of them. And so if you take anything today, I hope that is something that you can take with you to be mindful that your relationship with your children is so significant. We've talked about the relationship that coaches have with, their with our children and how significant that is, but do not dismiss that your relationship with him is the one that actually truly means the most. Take advantage of that and step into it. Parents, thank you for being here today. Again, I want to remind you that I have moved all of my stuff to Patreon, so my writing, videos, all of my content there as I prepare for a book, as I uh, continue to coach you um, with parenting uh, work, all of that is on Patreon. I will have that linked for you, and maybe I'm going to do an episode soon actually about how that all works and why I've done that, so look for that to come soon. Thank you for being here. I will talk to you next Monday. Have a great week. Bye-bye.